Good afternoon and welcome to the Thursday edition of the Manitoba Farm Journal. I'm your host, Corey Canute. Coming up this afternoon, we'll hear from Manitoba Crop Alliance Chair Fred Gregg. Also, we'll chat with canola researcher Dr. Michael Eskin. And up first in today's country comment, John McGregor with the Manitoba Ford's Grassland Association will stop by to talk about pasture conditions. The latest farm news and market numbers all coming up over the next 60 minutes. The time now is 12 o'clock. Here's a look at our local news. Good afternoon. You're listening to the Manitoba Farm Journal. Joining us on the program is John McGregor with the Manitoba Forage and Grassland Association to give us an update on pasture conditions. Basically, what I've been hearing from uh, um, you know Manitoba Ag staff and, and producers is that uh, we're starting to see a little bit of growth on the pasture. Uh, it has been really slow uh, with the cool temperatures and the lack of moisture. Um, so, you know, a lot of guys are sort of uh, running out of um, feed, and they're going to have to start putting cattle out on the pasture, even though there's not very much there for them to graze on. Just talk about that, um, I guess, how that would work and, and what the impact might be there. Well, I mean, basically what, what we kind of look at when you get a year like this, you know, when you look at the, uh, the weather information, you know, we're sitting at about uh, 25% of normal moisture uh, uh, over the winter and this spring, and as far as temperature uh, heat units go, you know, we're sitting at, again, 20 to 40% of normal. So, as I said, it's been dry and cold. So what's going to happen with producers um, if they don't have any feed and they want to put their cattle out on the on the pasture is they're probably going to have to look at a sacrifice pasture um, that they can do a little bit of grazing on if there is anything there, uh, but not graze the other pastures and give them a chance to, to actually get some growth, you know, six to eight inches of growth before they put the cattle out on it. If they don't do that, uh, they're going to set that pasture back even further, and, uh, you know, they're going to run out of pasture uh, if we do get rain in June, July, and August. So uh, it's kind of a cut uh, between a rock and a hard place. You know, you want to you want to put the cattle out there, but if you do, uh, you're going to damage the pasture. Do you think some producers will just kind of continue on with, with the supplemental feeding? or? Oh, definitely. I think if, if producers have supplemental feed, uh, they will likely want to keep it out there. I mean, there's... There's really, you know, in some cases, those pastures don't even have enough to, to keep the cows keep the cows going. So, um, you know, they're going to have to feed it. But, I mean, there are some fellows that just ran out of feed this winter, and, uh, uh, you know, there's just hardly any available for them to buy. And, you know, if we don't get some rain here pretty soon, I guess what, what will the long-term um, implications be? Well, right now, if we don't get rain uh, very soon, well, even if we get rain, unfortunately, even if we get rain, uh, we're already going to see a reduction in, in pasture growth. Uh, the cool season grasses, uh, uh, if, you know, by now, you know, middle of May, uh, they should have had moisture and, and uh, been growing. So already those are going to be suffering, you know, maybe 70% of normal, uh, assuming that we get some rain. Uh, the warm season grass pastures, uh, they've probably got another week or two before they're, they're going to need moisture or else, again, they're going to see a reduction in potential yield. That was John McGregor with the Manitoba Forage and Grassland Association. A look at what's happening in the markets this afternoon is coming up. Good afternoon, I'm Corey Canute. Pastures in Manitoba are starting to see a bit of growth, although it has been slow due to the cool temperatures and lack of moisture. John McGregor is with the Manitoba Forage and Grassland Association. What's going to happen with producers if they don't have any feed and they want to put their cattle out on the, on the pasture is they're probably going to have to look at a sacrifice pasture that they can do a little bit of grazing on if there is anything there, uh, but not graze the other pastures and give them a chance to, 
to actually get some growth, you know, six to eight inches of growth before they put the cattle out on it. If they don't do that, uh, they're going to set that pasture back even further, and, uh, you know, they're going to run out of pasture uh, if we do get rain in June, July, and August. It's kind of a cut between a rock and a hard place. You know, you want to you want to put the cattle out there, but if you do, uh, you're going to damage the pasture. Bill C-208 has been passed in Parliament. It was brought forward by Brandon Suris MP Larry McGuire. The bill aims to level the playing field by giving families the exact same tax treatment if they transfer their business, farm, or operation to their children as if they transferred it to a stranger. And this week's crop report says that total seeding progress in Manitoba sits at about 44% complete, below the four-year average of 51%. Dane Fraze is with Manitoba Agriculture. Somewhat warmer conditions did spur uh, more advanced seeding progress. So we're seeding cereals and peas largely wrap up in the Red River Valley and parts of the central region and moving on to more sensitive crops. Uh, corn is getting close to being completed. It's, it's over the halfway mark right now. And uh, we're seeing soybeans and canola go in uh, fairly aggressively over the past couple of days. Continued freezing overnight temperatures have limited the growing degree day and corn heat unit accumulation, which sits at less than 50% of normal for the period. Lack of rainfall has many farmers concerned for germination and timely emergence. That was a look at today's farm news. I'm Corey Knute. Good afternoon and welcome to the Prairie Eggwire for Thursday, May 13th. I'm Corey Canute. Coming up today, we'll chat with canola researcher Dr. Michael Eskin. Dr. Michael Eskin, a global leader in canola research and one of the world's leading food science writers, has been chosen to receive the Order of Manitoba. Dr. Eskin, a professor at the University of Manitoba, earned the Order of Canada back in 2016 for his work on the physicochemical and functional properties of canola oil that is key to the success of the Canadian canola oil industry. I asked Dr. Eskin for his reaction on being chosen to receive the Order of Manitoba. It's a great honour and I'm uh, very um, uh, humbled by, the, uh, by being selected, by being nominated and selected, yeah. Tell us a little bit about your work uh, with canola over the years. Well, um, I'm in my 53rd year at the University of Manitoba, and I'm part-time the last 10 years, although I'm, people consider I'm full-time because I'm pretty productive. Um, I, when I came, first came here, of course, um, uh, Stephenson was uh, working on canola with um, Downey from... Uh, Saskatchewan, and so I came into the department of then the Foods and Nutrition, and the, which was part of the Faculty of Home Economics, and uh, there were two groups. I worked with a wonderful woman, Professor Marion Vasey Genzer, just an incredibly talented woman who her expertise was in sensory and statistics, and I worked with my chemical and biochemical background. I worked on the um, uh, the the composition, the, the functional properties and performance of the oil, and my other colleagues, um, uh, the late Dr. Bruce McDonald, and then there's Do- Dr. Vivian Bruce with the nutritionist, and Dr. Vivian Bruce, I was very pleased to see, got uh, the, Order of Ca- the Order of Manitoba a couple of years ago for her contribution to doing nutrition. So, uh, so our combined work really was working with the breeders to us to establish that the oil was uh, 
top quality premier oil and um, uh, and sort of uh, created the University of Manitoba. It's a fairly important center for canola oil research. And um, that, that was really um, how it started. And then I've been working on canola as well as other, other crops as well, but I'm still working on canola, looking at the moment at phenolics and uh, their potential application for um, functional antioxidants and even as uh, health applications. So that's a very brief tracy you know, of um, uh, work. It's been, there's a lot of work that has been done on it in, in um, my department, and um, there are a lot of people that, that I had the unique opportunity to work with. And just talk a little bit more about the just the expansion of canola um, over the years, you know, to where it is now. Well, I mean, uh, essentially, the, the original rapeseed, which was not an indigenous crop, it was, from the historical point of view, there was a, a, a Polish fa- family that immigrated in the 20s to um, in, in Saskatchewan, and, uh, and uh, I think a friend of his sent him some rapeseed to... Um, to grow and it grow, grew very well and uh, this was in the 30s and what happened was with the, the world the second world war broke out there was a because of the u-boats and the problems with the transportation that um, rapeseed oil was found to be a wonderful lubricant oil just fantastic and so at that time canada grew thousands of rapeseed for the oil and also imported from um, from argentina and uh, there were just Remarkable oil, but when the thankfully the war the the um, World War II ended, and with the introduction of diesel engines, there was no need for rapeseed anymore. And um, so the question was, does rapeseed have any potential value? And um, it took, should we say, um, 30 years. You know, of a lot of people working along the way, but eventually the two breeders, um, Stephenson at the University of Manitoba and um, Dr. Downey, in, uh, who was in the NRC lab in, in research in, Saska- in Saskatoon, and they, they were old-fashioned breeders. And, of course, with the, um, the introduction of the um, gas chromatography, they were able to analyze, and Stephenson had a wonderful... Uh, um, a colleague who was Fritz Haugen, who really did the analysis, and sometimes he doesn't get the recognition for the, the work that he did, but he was able to analyze, and the problem was that brucic acid was very high, and it was about 50 plus percent more, and so the breeders essentially removed the brucic acid from down to less than 2%, and then they removed the glucosinolates and then they changed the name. Used to there used to be the Rapeseed Council of Canada, and then changed it to Canola. And uh, so that was really there for the genesis of a of a new oil, which was really, we had no idea of the um, extent of the implication of the work. Both my colleagues, we we just were certainly excited by the work, but we had no idea that it would be such a a success we knew was a wonderful oil, and Marion Daisy Genter and I wrote a, were commissioned by the Canola Council to write uh, a, a, um, 
to write a, a, well, it was almost a bulletin, but it was about a 50-page bulletin on all the positive aspects of the, the chemistry, the nutrition, all, all sorts of things on that oil. And that was used to promote the oil to for, for dietitians for to showing what it was a, a good quality oil. And ultimately, of course, it became well accepted worldwide. That was Dr. Michael Eskin, a global leader in canola research, who has been chosen to receive the Order of Manitoba. That's it for the Prairie Eggwire for today. If you have any questions or opinions to share, send them to us by email, thefarmdesk at goldenwest.ca. I'm Corey Canute. Thanks for listening and have a great afternoon. The Prairie Eggwire will return tomorrow on the Golden West Farm Network. Time now for a look at the farm calendar. Manitoba Women in Agriculture and Food is hosting an egg chat May 24th. Visit the MWAF website for details. Manitoba Pork is offering an online workshop titled, What Can Biosecurity Software Offer My Farm? That'll take place May 25th at 1.30 p.m. Go to the Manitoba Pork website. 4-H Manitoba is hosting a video contest on now until the end of the month. The contest gives Manitoba members and clubs a chance to showcase what they're doing this year. Visit the 4-H Manitoba website. And Canada's Farm Show is going virtual this year, June 16th and 17th. Go to canadasfarmshow.com. Continuing with the Manitoba Farm Journal here on this Thursday afternoon, the Manitoba Crop Alliance is contributing half a million dollars to the University of Manitoba towards the building of the Prairie Crops and Soil Research Facility. Construction of the new facility will begin next year. Fred Gregg is chair of the Manitoba Crop Alliance. Well, we um, have always been received a clear message from all our our farmers that uh, you know research was was key to to the to their success and and you know our main focus was was to be on research and uh, when we we assessed the you know the kind of the research community we found out that uh, they were doing an amazing job of getting everything they could out of the assets they had and when we were expecting more research you know it became apparent that we had to support some infrastructure to allow them to do that because there was just already so much on their plate so so when this this came came available it just seemed like a perfect fit with with Manitoba Crop Alliance interests and Manitoba farmers' interests. Just a thought, you know, on this on this facility, um, some of the research that might be happening there, and and you know what that'll mean for for certain crops. It's not a slight on any other research that's being done in other areas of the prairies or Canada, but when it's right in your backyard, it just seems to be a lot. Uh, you know, farmers feel a lot more confident on the results and uh and and the work they're doing when 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 they're they are under our climatic conditions we're excited that uh, there's some building going on and uh i think the future of our our scientists and and research people we need some some state-of-the-art uh facilities and tools so yeah we're, we're happy to uh to be part of that and encourage all the other producer groups to, if they can see, see fit to, to follow suit. That was Fred Gregg, chair of the Manitoba Crop Alliance. The group is contributing half a million dollars to the University of Manitoba towards the building of the Prairie Crops and Soil Research Facility. 
Construction of the new facility will begin next year. Another look at what's happening in the markets heading into the close is coming up in just a moment. Time now for another look at today's farm news. It may be too late for pastures to recover from the cool, dry spring. John McGregor is with the Manitoba Forage and Grassland Association. Unfortunately, even if we get rain, we're already going to see a reduction in, in pasture growth. The cool season grasses, by now, you know, middle of May, uh, they should have had moisture and, and uh, been growing. So already those are going to be suffering, you know, maybe 70% of normal, assuming that we get some rain. Uh, the warm season grass pastures, they've probably got another week or two before they're, they're going to need moisture or else, again, they're going to see a, a reduction in uh, potential yield. He notes some pastures will likely be sacrificed in order to feed the animals. And while daytime highs have warmed up over the past week or so, the temperature was still dropping overnight. Dane Fraze with Manitoba Agriculture talked about the impact on crops. Overnight lows dipping into the freezing, below freezing, uh, has really impacted the uh, rate of crop growth right now, particularly for forages and pastures and winter cereals, uh, things that are already up. Every time it freezes, it delays and it slows down uh, crop emergence and crop growth. And having those freezing temperatures occur when we have sensitive crops that are above ground, like uh, soybeans or canola, can really damage yield prospects for those crops. That's why farmers were really waiting, in many cases, to put those crops in the ground as their conditions warmed up or that they wouldn't be above the surface um, and we should have a lower risk of frost later in May, hopefully. This week's crop report says total seeding progress in Manitoba sits at about 44% complete, below the four-year average of 51%. I'll be back after this to wrap up today's program. We've come to the end of another Manitoba Farm Journal. I'm your host, Corey Canute. If you have any questions or comments, you can reach us by email, thefarmdesk at goldenwest.ca. Today's closing numbers with more in-depth commentary on what's happening in the markets is coming up at 10 to 2 on the Markets Farm Program. Coming up on tomorrow's show, we'll have an update on one of the local Canadian Food Grains Bank Grow projects. Thanks for listening and have a great afternoon. Hope you can join us back here tomorrow starting at 12 noon.